Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 28 minutes to 9, good morning. About two months ago, Eskom published a series of forecasts about what it expected to happen over the winter period. At the time, it said it was possible that we could go beyond stage 6 load shedding and end up with stage 8 load shedding. So far this winter, that has not happened. But there are still predictions that, in fact, the really tough part of winter from an electricity point of view is still to come. In other words, while the last few weeks have seen relatively lower levels of load shedding, things could still change drastically, especially as it's due to be very cold this week, as you know. At the same time, we're seeing major changes in our power system. The city of Joburg said last week it was now planning to allow people to sell power generated from solar panels on their roofs to its grid in a bid to reduce load shedding. This is happening. This is following the lead of Cape Town, which is the first metro to announce it's doing the same thing. So what's happening to our grid? Are we still likely to have intense load shedding? And will these measures to have more power coming from the grid from homes and businesses actually make a difference? Well, unfortunately, one of the analysts we were due to speak to this morning is unable to speak to us. They've had some form of an emergency. But we can bring you the conversation we had last week with the electricity, the Minister for Electricity in the Presidency, Jose Enzo Ramakopa. Dr. Ramakopa uh, spoke to us on Friday morning. Well, uh, and you'll hear his understanding of why we have not gone beyond stage four load shedding. And then the changes in the city of Johannesburg. Tami Matiso is the general manager for revenue management in the city in City Power. They are the ones who've recently instituted this plan around buying electricity from homes and businesses for the grid in the city of Joburg. First then, the minister in the presidency for electricity, Dr. Josienzo Romacopa, I asked him on Friday why we have not had intense load shedding. Well, I guess it can be put down to the actions that we have taken. Remember, when I was here, I I did indicate that uh, there was a method in us visiting the the power stations uh, for us to understand uh, what are the underlying problems uh, in each and every power station, each and every unit. So we we got to diagnose that. And then uh, we we then uh, went to converse uh, the necessary expertise to come and work with the the general managers, the workers at the ESCOM in the areas of uh, of significant uh, deficit in relation to the skills that are required to address uh, what was uh, essentially a, a, a appeared to be an intractable uh, technical problem. Um, and then the second part is the, the leadership at the ESCOM. I think the, the stewardship of uh, the board uh, under Chairman Makwana had made uh, some sound decisions in uh, one uh, the appointment of uh, Mr. Begimumalo, a seasoned uh, uh, practitioner in the in the electricity field. He understands the thermal power, and uh, once he got in there, it was to also deploy uh, the right people at the, the, the respective stations, especially the most problematic ones, the ones that are notorious for for um, an energy availability factor which was uh, below. Uh, average. Uh, and then the third part is the campaigns. I mean, the uh, energy intensive users have really come to the party. They've uh, introduced uh, interventions to ensure that they, they reduce the load. Um, and then we're also beginning to see that the benefits of um, some of uh, the campaign were going to be, in fact, uh, more aggressive going forward uh, with regards to the demand side interventions at the household level. So it's a combination of those, uh, just a, a technical intervention, leadership issues, and then uh, the whole of society approach, business and, and households. Because what that, what that has done 
is that uh, it has uh, reduced demand while the technical interventions have uh, increased uh, generation. And you can see that uh, now we have uh, been progressively improving the EAF. Uh, when we came to the office, we're at the uh, 48%, the lowest. Uh, and then now, as I speak to you, we're beginning to, to, to stabilize at about 60 61%. And then uh, in the next few weeks, again, we'll be adding another percentage point or two just to begin to lift it to the next level. Um, and yes, and, and then we've been able to reduce the the amount of um, um, uh, unit failures, so what you call the unplanned capacity loss factor, the units just tripping. Uh, you can see now they are coming down, and I'm not saying that it's completely gone, sure. uh, but we are beginning to stabilize, and that's why you see that a combination of that is beginning to yield the results. So I'm confident, very bullish about the prospects of us uh, ending a load shedding much sooner than, uh, than we had anticipated. Well, look, it's been a long time since we've had optimism and hope in this. So, so I hope you're right. But I mean, there's still a lot of winter to come. This weekend's probably going to be the coldest on the high felt that we've seen uh, this year. Um, could we, uh, I've seen predictions saying that the hardest time for Eskimo would probably be the third week in July and the first week in August. Could we still have intense load shedding this winter? Yeah, remember that my measure, the, the measure I use is the is on the are we able to consistently perform as the EAF of 60% for now? Even if uh, demand were to go up and were to go to, let's say, stage three, stage four, or even stage five, of course, that's a concern. But I think the optimism there is on the generation side. If those units, as they continue to perform and we continue to gradually improve the, the performance, I think that's the best measure. And then we'll do everything that we can uh, to alert people, work with business, uh, to reduce uh, demand. But the key is that uh, you must generate to meet the demand and also to allow the economy to grow. And yes, you are perfectly right. I think uh, the next few weeks will be very intense. It will be a test of uh, our ability to maintain that the EAF and also continue to improve it. So the key is not to deteriorate it. So we're at 60. Remember that the ESCOM border proof strategy was that we should be at 60 sometime, I think, early next year. We are uh, there now. And then this is also before we, we bring the unit at Pusile, which will add, uh, if you like, about six percentage points, uh, which will mm-hmm. take us uh, to 66, uh, going to 67% uh, EAF. It's about the performance on the generation side. And then, of course, I mean, if demand ramps up, uh, load shedding is an instrument to sure. ensure that you balance uh, generation and demand. But I'm just saying the best measure, of course, from where I'm sitting is what, how are we doing on the generation side? Um, and then as we go out of this winter and we continue this improvement, then we're confident that comes the next winter. We'll not be having uh, this uh, uh, same conversation. We'll be discussing uh, energy security going into the future. But yes, Steve, we, 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 we are doing everything possible. And thanks to the men and women at ESCOM and thanks to uh, uh, the people of South Africa, I really have to express my appreciation and gratitude that they are listening. We are beginning to see it on the demand side. 
and also thanks to business. And you see, when we pull together, we are able to uh, uh, to to even uh, mm. uh, go out of, of a very very difficult situation. This situation at Kosile, and you, you talk about it, we've got this very tall chimney, it's 100 meters, it stands over three units. Um, there's a desulfurization process that the chimney is supposed to do. If you bypass that, you get 2,000 megawatts. Um, and so that's two stages of load shedding. That's really important. It would be yeah. a temporary solution. But you also pump a huge amount of pollution into the air. A Business Days quoting research this morning suggesting it would lead to 670 excess deaths. So it's a very difficult trade-off, and I'm sure there'll be arguments about the trade-off. Do you support Eskim in trying to get the system running again, even though the pollution cost would be huge? Okay, firstly, that we have never denied the fact that uh, bypassing the flue gas desulfurization unit is going to result in uh, greater emissions of uh, sulfur dioxide uh, content. Let me make the point that on other emissions parameters, uh, ESCOM is not in breach. The only area where it's in breach is in the uh, sulfur di- dioxide. That's the first part. And then the second part, um, we, we, we're not taking that as a blank check. So there's uh, additional measures that uh, ESCOM will be introducing, even without uh, the benefit of uh, that technology of the SG, S, uh, FGD, uh, uh, for us to be able to reduce the amount of uh, sulfur content. And yes, we do accept that uh, it's got repercussions uh, going into the future. And that's why that uh, the temporary intervention and we have to have uh, returned to normality. Normality in this instance, having restored the flu gas desulfurization unit, I think not later than May of, uh, of 2025. And we'll do everything possible to um, uh, bring it back earlier and all in the or and not or and in the process of doing that, uh, take every measure to ensure that uh, we are able to reduce the emissions levels. So that uh, we have never de- denied, and that's why we are taking uh, an extra precautionary measures and working with the uh, communities uh, in the catchment areas to ensure that uh, we reduce the, the amount of uh, of uh, emissions, especially the, the sulfur dioxide, so that. Uh, we, we don't, it doesn't result in the death as, uh, as computed. Mm. Uh, so we will do everything possible to ensure that we, we protect their life. Uh, the point I'm making is that the, the quickest and the, and the most rational intervention that we could make is this one that is before us. It's a technical solution that allows us, one, to bring the units back into operation to save the South African economy, uh, to ensure that we protect jobs, we're able to ensure that there's greater levels of investment, and then on the other side, reduce the harm that uh, could be inflicted in the neighboring communities. And that conversation has been happening. And uh, we don't take this as a blank check. We, we do understand what its implications are on the communities in the catchment area or in the immediate radius of uh, of Kusile. So we are fully appreciative of that, alert of that, and that's why we are taking additional measures uh, toward with, uh, the commitment we have made to the Department of uh, Environmental Affairs. And the actual changes in policy that uh, you've been a part of, we've all seen them happening. There's more solar power coming through. Joburg's going to buy power from homes and companies like Cape Town is doing. Um, do you think we have the right uh, policy in place? Are we now at the point where the policy is going to enable maybe even empower 
people to build their own generation capacity to get us out of load shedding as quickly as possible. And uh, do you and the energy minister have policy harmony? No, we do have uh, policy harmony. So the first one is that uh, we are moving into a stage of a dispensation of distributed uh, generation. And that's a, it's an important protection measure from uh, a grid collapse because uh, you don't have uh, a single point of failure. So you are, you are, you are having, if you like, a multiple grids. So it's a polycentric uh, configuration of the grid. And then the, the second one is that um, you, are, you, are, you are also going to, to have uh, additional um, um, uh, renewable sources into your, your, energy, your energy mix. Um, and then you are going to make it possible for households and industry to earn another revenue stream because once you feed back, uh, there's a tariff that uh, will be introduced and then you are able to, to earn an income. So households and industries are likely going to be net producers as, as opposed to net consumers of electricity going to the city. But there's a downside. The downside is that the, the design and the configuration of the grid uh, must be such that it's able to allow multiple points of uh, of generation without uh, uh, undermining uh, the integrity of uh, the grid. It must also allow the system operator to have see-through of where this generation is happening, but also to accommodate the surge. Uh, by that, I mean you could have a cloudy day, uh, and then mm-hmm. two hours later, suddenly there's a sun, and then there's a surge of electrons. The system must be able to accommodate that. I was just reading a piece in the, um, one of the reputable uh, publications that suggest that the, the European uh, uh, Union uh, um, has uh, experienced uh, for the first time in history uh, a day in May. Uh, the amount of energy generated from renewables was greater than that which was generated from thermal power for the first time in their history. But then they go further to say that the problem it presents is that uh, one, it doesn't help you to resolve uh, the peak demand and they mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with the surge. And the surge has got mm-hmm. significant implication on the integrity of the grid. Sure. It's the same story that we're told by my counterpart when I was in Vietnam. He says, look, we have been very successful in running this program, feeding tariffs over a period of uh, 12 months. We've been able to eight, get 8 gigawatts. And he says, I caution you, don't uh, be generous in the timeline or the period that you you, you, you introduce for you to buy from uh, um, um, individual household producers because now we're sitting with a problem. We've got excess generation. We don't know how to do, deal with it. It's going to compromise the, the grid. We never designed the grid to accommodate this. So in the policy articulation and orientation, we need to accommodate what are those uh, experiences. Um, so you need to balance the need for distributed generation and for household to generate but also how you are able to maintain the integrity of uh, of the grid. Uh, and of course, uh, technology will advance and sure. it will be able to solve this. But uh, for now, it's a conundrum that's facing us. But Vietnam has got a better problem. They've got more electricity mm-hmm. than they need. We have an, a different problem. We need the electricity. 
That is the Minister in the Presidency for Electricity, Dr. Josiensura Makhopa, speaking to us uh, last week on Friday. It's 13 minutes to nine the time. You with SAFM, uh, we, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you that it is snowing in Joburg and many parts around Joburg. Uh, as I look, turn to my right, uh, on the sixth floor uh, of the SABC of Radio Park, I can see snow swirling around the SABC building. Um, I've been receiving, and I'm sure you have too, if you have family, relatives, uh, friends in Joburg, Big, receiving all sorts of video from all over the place. If I look further to the right, Kathy is uh, sitting, uh, not preparing for a show just now. She wasn't a minute ago. She's uh, also recording just the most incredible images of snow. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Well, we'll try not to concentrate on the snow. Um, we'll try very hard not to concentrate on the snow and continue our conversation around electricity uh, this morning. Tommy Matiso is the General Manager for Revenue Management at uh, City Power. Uh, Tommy, good morning. I must start by asking, when you have such cold temperatures in Joburg, snow falling in many places, demand for electricity for you is going to go up, isn't it? M- most definitely. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning to your listeners. Definitely, the uh, the demand for electricity is increasing in Joburg. I think our spokesperson did announce over the weekend that um, this week will be uh, our grid is going to be tested uh, based on that demand. Okay, so you are now introducing a system where people with solar installations, companies, businesses, uh, homeowners are able to sell that electricity to your grid. How's that going to work? Yes, yeah, so what we've done now is that in the new financial year from the 1st of July, we've got a tariff already where we can be able to refund or pay back the customers for them selling their energy into our grid. So how that works is that if you've got a, a, an, a solar system which is embedded in our generation uh, that is able to send or release back the energy which is in excess to you into the grid, then we can then start buying that energy but we measure that with our smart meter so we've got a bi-directional meter that can be able to measure how much you have sent into the grid and how much you have used and we use that to refund okay so if you put in if you buy for argument's sake a kilowatt hour from the city of Joburg for price x do you get price x the same amount when you sell it back yes based on our benchmarking exercise so what we've done is that um, these uh, customers who've got an embedded generation unit on their properties, we then started to compare them with uh, various places where we procure energy, like ESCOM, and compare the tariff that is there. So we will then refund the customer with a, a tariff almost close to what we are buying from ESCOM, and we'll be able to build them with our promulgated tariff, which is what we charge them on the lease. Okay. Um, obviously, when you buy electricity, you're not just buying electricity. When you pay City Power, you're paying for the infrastructure and all the rest. So it may not be exactly the same, but it will be the same value for the electricity which is generated. Have I got that right? Yeah, so yeah, definitely. So what, what, what happens is that if you've got a bill that's got other services in it, you will be able to see the amount of money that you are refunding it back on the on the electricity should we use your uh, COG account to refund it. How many megawatts do you think could be available to you in the city of Joburg? And this is really important because if you uh, are able to buy enough megawatts, maybe at least during the day, maybe not today, but during the day, uh, you would get enough sunlight uh, to sort of mitigate against the intense load shedding when most factories are operating. Yeah, so what we've done now, um, Steve, is that we have gone through for a process of voluntary registration of customers who came to us and said, look, I've got an embedded generation in my property, uh, please register it. And at the time, we didn't have a tariff. So what we've done is that we've 
registered about 400 uh, over just over 400 customers uh, into our database and then after that we uh, they've rec- recorded around 98 uh, megawatts of, of of energy that they have but we understand that that might it might vary because what they will be selling back to us is what we uh, then call um, um, an excess energy, so whatever that they are not able to use. But it's interesting to see that some of the residentials, especially during the day when there's no activity in the house and that's the time that they generate the most, they would have an opportunity to sell that energy back to us. And are you able to buy that energy in a way in which you can store it for the evening peak or do you have to use it as it's generated? Yeah, so unfortunately at this point, as, as we, we, we will be buying as we are supplied by customers, so we will not be able to store it uh, uh, for the evening peak. Um, yeah, so at this point, we'll be able to buy as they generate it. And, you know, a person, you can be able to sell to your neighbors uh, through our network. And that's, I, think, I think that's what we want to start facilitating at this point. I think some people are going to be selling to their neighbors anyway without you. I mean, this way you actually get included in the system and that's much better for everyone. Most definitely, most definitely. I think it makes it it makes it easier. We've got the network, we've got the grid, and we just need, need to make sure that we maintain our grid uh, uh, for those uh, facilitations to take place. One of the things that may make this really important, Tommy, is that, um, as I'm sure you're aware, there are some people who are trying to live off the grid. There are some security estates, for example, in Gauteng and other places that are almost entirely off the grid. And what that means is that the people who are getting electricity from those estates are not contributing at all to the city so they're not able to help you pay for electricity for poorer people your your your, your indigent policy and that's really quite important um so so now what happens is if you do this if you're able to get people to actually sell you electricity there's a reason for them to stay in the grid how important is that yeah, most definitely. I think it 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 will uh, obviously assist in terms. The city has invested a lot of money into the network, and uh, though we buy energy from ESCOM, but there's a lot of asset which is on the network. And when you start facilitating the trading of energy, it means we are optimally using the network that we have. We are able to get better return on investment on that energy. We are able to make sure that it is maintained because there are people who are using. But if you've got people who are no longer contributing towards the revenue, it means we are unable to get the return on investment and we are unable to invest into the maintenance. And I think this will allow customers, and I know the issues of people going off the grid has been pushed mostly by the impact of load shedding. And the city is saying this is one of the initiatives that the city is taking to mitigate against load shedding and, and also to give customers confidence that they can still be on the grid, even if they are not using much from the grid, but they can be traders within the grid. Okay. Um, how expensive is it to get all this working? How difficult is it to get things to get things like this working? What, what kind of changes do you need to make to your grid? Does it cost you money to do it? Yeah, so what we said is that there's a current limit, um, which I think at this point, uh, our grid can be able to to handle it, the current limit, which is around uh, one megawatt. So if you've got a customer who's got a standard connection selling back into the grid, you know, there's not a, a bigger impacts on that, um, as, as the minister has highlighted. But what, what we then are currently preparing our grid for in terms of the upgrade is the bigger guys or the IPPs that will then be coming into the grid and 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 be selling into in, uh, to us at large scales so what we're saying is that at this point the, all the customer needs is just to register currently the registration is voluntary 
So if you register with us, it should not be a problem. We'll send our engineer to come and assess the system to check if the system that you have invested in is actually compliant to what we require for customers to sell back to us. And if the system is compliant, then you'll be good. We are still uh, working on the further development of our billing system. So we are estimating that around September, we should be ready to go and start seeing the credits going into the customers' accounts. Um, I know that the city of Joburg and the city of Cape Town can have an interesting relationship. Are you speaking to them about their system? Yeah, most definitely. I think we've we've been to a city of Cape Town. I think last year our, our delegate went there to go and learn, and not only the city of Cape Town, other municipalities also. And I think this exercise comes through after a, a benchmarking exercise where we've sat with guys like SOM, uh, other metros, the city of Cape Town, and we had also an energy in Daba last year where we had a lot of people who came up with ideas. So we're saying at least this is a start, but we know that with the current crisis, there is a lot of ideas that will be able to assist the city in terms of this crisis and we'll be implementing them as we go. But this one is one of the ones that at least we're saying, let's start mm. uh, and, and see that energy uh, uh, being in, uh, taken back into the grid. Tami Matiso, thank you. General Manager for Revenue Management at City Power. My thanks also to uh, Dr. Josienzo Romacopa, the Minister in the Presidency for Electricity, who spoke to us uh, last week. Well, there's a lot more to come. Uh, of course, watch out for the snow in the city of Joburg as you make your way uh, through the day. I think many people will be talking about that this morning. From Mdu, Sanza Banyana, Zama, myself, look after yourself. You with SFM leading the conversation at 9 o'clock.